Welcome to the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast, where we learn how to survive horror movies and maybe how to survive airplanes. I'm your host, Ryan Stacey, and today we're talking about a movie that I'm sure none of you have ever heard of. This is a chef's choice. I can do whatever I want when we get here, and I did whatever I wanted to. We're talking about 2010's Altitude. You're not afraid to fly, are you? And I'm joined by our Altitude correspondent, Derek Kubitschek. Derek, how you doing? Ryan... I have thoughts about this movie that exist beyond this movie. Everything that seems to happen in and around this movie are paradoxical, and I feel the listeners deserve to know the the the, the strange coincidences yep. and weird ironies or just 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 paradoxes that yep. have gone on leading up to watching this yep movie. So why don't you start with yours, yep. and then we'll do mine second. Yeah, I, so when we do Chef's Choice, I like to either pick something that people wouldn't necessarily think of, like Ghostbusters. You know, a technically horror movie, but it's a comedy. Or just something people have never heard of. That's what I did here with Altitude, which is a 2010 straight-to-video Canadian horror movie. And how I came across this film, I was at the local video store, which is literally like a block from here. Uh, I live right next to it, but I didn't at the time. But I was, I was just perusing the shelves there one day, and I spotted this movie. And Altitude, if you look it up, it's got a pretty cool cover. It's of a small airplane. There's a guy hanging onto a rope dangling out the back, and there's a tentacle monster chasing the airplane. I'm like, what is that? I looked it up. I never heard of this movie. I read the back. I'm like, this sounds fun. I bet it's terrible, but uh, this sounds fun. So I bought it. I watched it. I liked it more the first time. Uh, it's, it's interesting in concept. It's got issues, which we'll talk about. But yeah, just happened to be walking past it on a shelf, bought the movie. Here we are, years later. Like, I bought this before I moved to L.A. Yeah, years and years later. Years and years later. But now tell the good people about the director. The other weird part is the director of this movie is uh, K-A-R-E. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Care Andrews. Really strangely, this guy has directed two feature horror movies. Uh, three features, two of them being horror. The other one... We covered two episodes ago by complete chance, Cabin Fever, Patient Zero. And then we just happened to cover his other horror movie on a chef's choice two episodes later. It's just weird. And finally, good people, when Ryan asked me, because it's been a, it's been a minute since I've been here. It's just the nature of the wheel, the nature of the beast. I was on many long series at the beginning of the podcast. It was other people's turns. It's just been a minute. Yep. So Ryan said, do you want to come back for a chef's choice? And I said, yes, on one condition. I don't want you to tell me what movie it is. I just want to show up. I'm here to have some fun. So we have another podcast. Here's the shameless plug. It is the Castaway Consultants about the television show Survivor. After the episode one random Wednesday, we were sitting there taking our notes. I finished my notes first and Ryan just off the cuff said, hey, you ready for Chef's Choice coming up? And I'm yep. like, absolutely. Uh, but just remember, I don't want you to tell me what movie it is. He's like, well, just so you know. It's on my shelf somewhere. Oh, only like 900 movies to pick through. Okay, yeah. So I, I did. I made a joke like, yeah, but here's your clue. It's on one of my shelves. It's, it, it's on one of my shelves. I have 830 movies on my shelves. Yes. So, yeah. So now I, that's an exact number. I, I checked today for the podcast. It's 830 exactly. So I'm waiting for Ryan and our other co-host to finish their notes, and I'm just looking at the shelves. I didn't ask him about anything else. I didn't do anything else. I just said, 
Ryan, what's this movie, Altitude? And I saw Ryan go ghost white in the face. I saw the color leave. He stands there thinking, should I say it? Should I tell him? What just happened? He's like, that's the fucking movie, dude. (laughs) And I was like, no. It's just this movie, you know, you happen to be sitting near the A's on my bookshelf uh, because they're all alphabetized. And you're just like looking along and you just see this one movie that you don't know anything about because it's Altitude. And you just asked about it. I'm like, that's the movie. <laughs> what? And and I was haunted for the rest of the night because I don't like that. Because I was I'm actually sitting closer to like your Z's, but I was looking across the room. Yep, yeah. And 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 I'm just kind of going, I'm like, oh, what's this movie? And I didn't ask him about anything yep, else. That was it, the it, only movie he asked it about. It was just altitude. And, I, and even after watching it, there's just some supernatural bullshit going on, and yep. I don't like it. So does this have anything to do with the movie? No. Are you interested? Uh, well, maybe. 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 This, uh, yeah. The, 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 this movie the is themes, sim. The movie, the themes of this movie connect in a weird way to the simulation that is our lives. E- correct. Uh, so do the listeners care about this? Probably I not. So. I hope so. Uh, but, but should they? they? They should. They should care about us. They should care about me. They should care about you. Yeah. This is some weird fucking shit. And Ryan, when we're done, I want you to take this movie to... I don't know, the the local lake. I want you to strap a rock to it, and I want you to drop it to the bottom, a la Jumanji. One, we don't have a lake here. Two, no. I don't give up any movies in my collection. It's staying on the shelf. Fine. Lock and key, though. We, nope. we, need, we need to box this movie into something that can be locked. There's there's nah. something cosmic going on here. Maybe. I don't like I'm it. I'm just going to leave it, though. <laughs> it's just chance, chance fate. Yeah, yeah. Ryan, this is rule one. Look, it belongs on the shelf. <laughs> it can be on the shelf. <laughs> anyway, okay. All of these stories are true, but we can yep. move into the podcast proper now. Yes. Let's talk about the movie proper. Altitude 2010. Interesting little horror movie takes place entirely on a plane. Fun genre. Fun subgenre. Yeah. Very genre heavy movie. The movie itself is, is if you are big horror fans and you like kind of weird horror movies, you'll find something here. There is some stuff that I like in this movie. If you're just kind of a, I don't want to say like a, a normie. But if you're just like a regular folk who isn't like, you know, casual, a casual, casual horror fan, this one's probably not for you. It's the the characters suck so hard. <laughs> the, so a, as a normie, I would consider myself yep. a normie, uh, you know, beginning level horror. You said I've graduated from novice, which is. Yeah, you're, which, you're, you're which is not wonderful. entry level anymore. Yes, not entry level. I'm, I'm beginner. This movie is great if you want to put something on in the background that you don't need to pay attention to. Yep. You have a couple people over and you just want to make fun of all the dumb shit happening yes. throughout most of it. And then be like, oh, that was kind of cool. Yeah, this would be a good party movie. Yeah, this is a great party movie, honestly. Um, but yeah, the characters are just atrocious. Y- yes. Uh, that's probably the big problem is there's not a single likable character in this movie. You know, I called it, you know, they're all, we get to know these characters. I'm like, this is like Red Flags, the movie. <laughs> not another teen horror airplane movie. Yeah. So if you're a weirdo like me who likes just finding weird horror movies, yeah, you can search this one out. Otherwise, don't bother. But spoiler alert for Altitude. It's got 233 reviews on Letterboxd. Let's There's, add it up. The, them are rookie numbers. If you if you go and watch this movie because of this podcast, tag this podcast. Yeah, yeah. In your review so that we can go and check and see how many of y'all listened and went and watched this. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, I love it when, like, we can bring some attention to, like, weird horror movies like this. And, you know what, I got a lot of respect to the filmmakers because this was his uh, first feature. And he put a lot of effort into it, and I, I really respect the movie. The movie has heart. The it's, movie's it, got a lot of heart. It's not lacking in heart. It's lacking in other vital organs. Yes. Well, the point of this podcast is we're trying to create a master list of rules to survive any and all horror movies, no matter where they take place, planes or otherwise. So we're going to be going through the plot of Altitude beat by beat, decision by decision, to see if we need to add any new rules 
to our current list of 65 rules. You can check that out on our Twitter account at how to horror. That's how the number two horror. Anything else before we jump into this thing, Derek? I don't think so. All right, let's get into the plot of Altitude. So the movie begins, we we get a cold open on an airplane. There's a pilot, uh, a woman who's flying this plane. I don't think we ever learned her name. Along with two parents and a little kid. The little kid's super nervous and freaking out. And then all of a sudden, another plane comes flying in out of nowhere and hits them. Two planes crash, lots of dead people. So that's how the movie opens. And we'll get into more of what this means as we get introduced to the characters. And and for the listener's reference, it's called aerophobia if you are scared of flying in airplanes. Oh, okay. Oh, which reminds me why I picked you for this movie, Derek. I don't know any pilots. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to pick someone who I've been on an airplane with. And there's a few people I could have picked from, but I'm like, Derek hasn't been on in a while. He lives near me. It's convenient. I'll make Derek watch this movie. Because we, uh, we've been on planes together a couple of times, yep. both to Mexico. Both to Mexico. Cabo different different places in Mexico. Cancun and Cabo. Indeed. Yeah, back in... Cancun was college, Cabo was a few years ago. Yes. Yeah, so Derek and I have been on a couple of planes together. That's the only reason he's here. I am honored to be the airplane correspondent. Uh, Yeah. I mean, if we have... A, if Altitude 2 comes out... <laughs> well, I mean, snakes on a plane, though. To be fair, uh, Quarantine 2 also takes place partially on a plane, and Josh did that one. Mm. So maybe you both can come join for Snakes on a Plane. There there we go. So our main character is a girl named Sarah. She is a teenager. All, all these shitty teens are in this movie. So Sarah has recently just gotten her pilot's license, and she is the daughter of the pilot from the opening. Her mom died in that plane crash, and she became a pilot in her footsteps. So Sarah is our main character. It's it's pretty silly to say, like, Rule 21, learn from past events. Listeners out there might be thinking of that rule. Yeah. I tend to fall on the side, like, there's nothing supernatural going on. If you, if, if you feel like you need some closure and becoming a pilot gives you that closure, I say go for it. Yeah. I will say, most of this movie, they, they take place in those little tiny airplanes that fit, like, six people max. I will never go in one of those, because I hear about them crashing way too often, because I work in news. But I mean, they're not that I've been on them before. My uncle was a pilot. He flew me out to my cousin's house in Iowa once. And how did that go? I'm alive. Were there tentacle monsters? There were no tentacle monsters, unfortunately. Oh, it it all went according to plan. But that will lead us to preparation because she kind of skips out on the pre-flight check here. I mean, she does some of it, but like they don't do all of it because they didn't think they were going to need to do deal with some of this stuff. Uh, check everything with an airplane. I don't really know all the regulations and who's supposed to check what, but I feel like someone didn't do their entire job. Uh, rule number three, do your damn job. Right. And, and also, big disclaimer at the top of this podcast, Ryan, as he said, is not a pilot. Mm-hmm. I am not a pilot. We cannot speak about any of the piloty things yep. that happen in this movie. We yep. are going to leave that to the pilots and the professionals. We are going to talk about what the normies got to be doing yeah. in this horror movie situation. So I'm not going to criticize her at all for like piloting skills. It just like she does mention that she might have missed something pre-check and she's a rookie. Maybe don't fly with rookies. She says she's not instrument rated. Yeah. I don't again. I don't know what that means. Really. Basically, she has to keep visual line of sight with the ground. But then she was flying above the cloud. Like it, the th- these things don't make yeah. sense to me. And so like I can't speak to them. So maybe she's making mistakes here. It's hard to say. It's hard for us to say. Yeah. We are not qualified. Um, so I'm going to leave most of that off the table and just kind of describe what happens with that to the best of my ability. Yes. Um, but Sarah is flying her friends to a Coldplay concert. It's like the most Canadian thing ever. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, movie takes place in Canada. So she's taking her shitty friends to this concert. 
She told her dad they're driving because uh, her dad doesn't know they got her. Pi- she got her pilot's license, but uh, they're flying. Yeah, and by the way, I think this falls under Rule Fifty One. Tell people where you're going because yeah. the person who really should be in the know is not in the know. Now, to be fair, other people know where she's going, like the flight controllers and stuff like that. So if something does go wrong, supernatural stuff notwithstanding, they should be able to be like found. Sure. Yes. So I won't say it's a full... It's not a full-on rule break, but I mean, if you're doing stuff like this, maybe let people know what's going on. Yeah. But Sarah is taking her shitty friend to this concert, and let's introduce these fuckers. So first off, we have her best friend, Mel. Mel is a film student who has a camera and film stuff. Mm. Very, very Heather from Blair Witch. Very Heather from Blair Witch. Uh, but she's played by Juliana Guile Gill? I, I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, but from the Friday the 13th remake. From the Friday the 13th remake, one of the horniest movies I've ever, I've ever seen, especially like horniest horror movies. Infamously in uh, that movie, she is the one, she's got the sex scene with the dude from Transformers. Yeah, Trent. And that's where, uh, you know, the, the memed lines from that movie, uh, your tits are suspended, perfect nipple placement, baby. That was just like the cringiest lines ever. He's saying that to this actress. That, that like that's that's a real line in yeah. a real movie. <laughs> that happened. I mean, if you want to call it a real movie, so that is uh, Mel. She kind of sucks. Her boyfriend is here, a guy named Sal, and this is basically Trent reincarnated. Sal is like the douchiest douche to ever do. She's like a high school wrestler. Uh, he's a raging asshole. He's drunk the whole movie. He's racist. He's sexist. He's terrible. He is the kind of guy who would tell her she has perfect nipple placement baby. Yeah. It's the same dude. So he's played by Jake Weary, uh, who's famously in It Follows, which we haven't covered on the podcast. We will one day. But he is also in It Chapter 2, I believe. I don't know this for sure. I think he's one of like the homophobic guys at the beginning of that movie. Wait, so you're telling me he's in It Follows, It Chapter 2, and Al Tit-Tude? Yep. He, this guy, he just can't... Is, does he work in IT? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Um, so that's Sal, hyper douche. Like, comically douchey. <laughs> yes. He sucks. He's the worst one. There's also Sarah the Pilot's cousin, a guy named Corey. Corey's like a wannabe musician, mountain climber, dude douche. Yeah, he'll, he's the one who will uh, go some go for some light camping with a significant other and then, like, play guitar yep. to serenade them to sleep. What's the song that they play in uh, Barbie? In, in Barbie? I don't remember, but he is that guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, the song Push by, uh, is that Matchbox 20, I think? Yeah, Push by Matchbox 20. Uh, yeah, he's either singing Push by Matchbox 20 or maybe Little Wonderwall. Mm-hmm. He also feels a little bit like uh, like the song "Perfect" by like Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. <laughs> like like it, you can picture the guy, especially if you're a millennial. Like yeah. you you know this guy. Yeah, he's very late two thousands heartthrob type. Yes, with a guitar. So and it will be the night that I will fall for you. <laughs> <laughs> and Corey has actually been sleeping with Mel, so Mel is cheating on Sal with Corey. <laughs> They're all terrible. I mean, I get, like, wanting to not be with Sal and get with Corey instead, but geez. Well, I mean, if, she, if maybe she's scared to break up with a guy. Yeah, honestly, uh, yeah. On, honestly. Uh, like, rule one, she might be in a different kind of horror yeah, movie right now. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so he is played by Ryan Donahue, who is just in Cabin Fever, Patient Zero. Um, same director, so it makes sense. Uh, but yeah, he played Dobbs in uh, Cabin Fever, Patient Zero, who uh, Josh and I were very critical of for being... A huge douche. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, the final member of this Motley crew is a guy named Bruce. Bruce is Sarah's boyfriend. He was her tutor, but now they started dating. 
and Bruce is actually the little kid from the beginning in the plane crash. We don't know that right away, but we do learn that. Yes, and we can we can provide that context now. It doesn't really matter to anything yet, but I guess it will in a few minutes. So there you go. Everything about Bruce and Sarah is weird. So Sarah is moving to Montreal soon, and she's going to break up with this guy. But they're going to go on this trip anyway. He's in love with her uh, and secretly bought like a, a bus ticket to go to Montreal with her. She's not into him like that much. And uh, he knew who she was. Like, hey, this is the daughter of the pilot of the plane crash that I was in when I was a little kid and barely survived. Yeah, the one that killed his parents. One that killed his parents. He knew that and for some reason believes they belong together. So he's a creepy weirdo. I want to stop short of creepy weirdo because you're just a stupid teen. Right. I, I don't think it's creepy weirdo status, but it's definitely... I mean, a lot of teens are creepy weirdos. That You know what? Fine. He is a creepy weirdo teen insofar as a teen can be a creepy weirdo. I, I do think he's generally harmless, though. Like, he doesn't mean anything by it. Yeah, he's just... Maybe you've seen too many romantic comedies or something like yeah. that. I don't know. Uh, guy's got some issues. I'm not defending stalking, by the way. Don't do that. It's <laughs> not that's, That was not implied, but like, don't be a creepy weirdo. Don't be a creepy weirdo. I'm everybody. not signing off on that. Rule four, don't be a menace. Don't be a menace. And Bruce is terrified of flying. Maybe don't go on this flight, dude. Just, just don't. <laughs> yeah, don't go in the water. I wouldn't go on this plane. Anyway, we have a teenager pilot who just got her license in this tiny, crappy plane. No. Well, and I feel like, would that kind of be a rule four on her part? She's not honest about her credentials to her friends. Yeah, like, she she keeps it vague because she's, she's got a ton of hours, but, you know, she's not instrument trained. The whole thing is so, sketch. So, so maybe for her friends, uh, trust no one, and maybe just, like, why don't we drive to the Coldplay concert? Yeah, so yeah, that's a good point. Rule 24 is trust no one. Everybody's a suspect! I'm speaking to all the teenagers and college students out there, like young 20s, uh, late teens, that group of people. Your friends are idiots. They're stupid. You are too. You probably are too. You are too. But your friends are even more stupid. Guaranteed, they're wrong about everything. Don't trust them. And, and by the way, I want to just bring in this caveat. Guess what? I am too. Mm-hmm. Ryan is too. Mm-hmm. We just have a few more years of experience yep. in figuring out how stupid we are and, in fact, how stupid everybody else is. Yes. I always tell everyone, I peaked... At my intelligence at age 13 and ever since that, because I knew everything when I was 13. I've been getting dumber ever since, and I haven't been wrong about that. (laughs) At that age, and generally in general, but at that age especially, don't put, if you can help it, don't put your your life in your friend's hands. They probably have butterfingers. (laughs) So we have a 90-minute flight. We're taking off. Sal's drunk already and belligerent on the plane. Great. Yeah, don't do this. Don't be a menace. So uh, we take off. We're flying. We're going to the cold play. Bruce is a comic book fan, and Sarah bought him a rare comic. He's, he brought it with, and the others want to see it. Before we do that, uh, Sarah decides to like, hey, I'm going to help Bruce not be so scared of flying. He's going to fly the plane, you know, like your your parents might do. Like, oh, you got to take the wheel when you're learning to drive, and you're, you're riding a shotgun. Oh, take the wheel. Oh, take controls of the plane. Don't do this. <laughs> Especially with someone who's is freaking out and it, it is uncomfortable being in the plane in the first place. Don't do this. It, this also feels a little bit like don't be a menace. Yeah. yeah. Like this, this this falls into like, oh, but it was just a prank. Like I get what she was trying to do. It was more encouragement to overcome your fear, like immersion therapy. But like now's not the time. Yeah, especially when you have three people in the back who are very uncomfortable with this. Correct. Vocally so, fairly so. It's not good. They hit some turbulence and they end up losing altitude, I think. Yeah, the nose gets pointed down. And this knocks a screw loose, which is going to jam the elevator, which is how the plane can control uh, going up or down. 
I'm not a pilot, yep. but again, this does not feel correct. I feel like there are redundancies in their systems that would prevent a bolt from jamming an aileron or something like that. I but. mean, maybe. Uh, depends on the model. I know something, you know, they. this is not the first time I've seen this in a movie. This happened in a Bond movie, Octopussy. Something similar happened. Maybe they referenced that. I don't think so, but they should. That's the best Bond movie. I mean, Mission Impossible referenced this movie, so anything is possible. <laughs> Anything's Mission Impossible. So Sal, being a drunk asshole, takes this rare comic book from Bruce and rips a page out just to be a dick. Because he's mad that Bruce didn't want to fly the plane. Yeah. Like, this anger is completely misdirected. Putting but also just like, But just, like, don't be a menace. Don't take stuff and damage people's properties. A dick move. And as he's ripping the comic book, the bus ticket to Montreal falls out, revealing that Bruce is planning to go to Montreal with Sarah. And she's like, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. So, you know, I guess he was planning on telling her, but like, this isn't a good time. No, these grand romantic gestures kind of stuff like, oh, surprise. Don't do this in real life. Doesn't work. there, There are plenty of times that are more appropriate to have this conversation on a small plane in the middle of, like, kind of a stormy situation, not one. In Cabo, also not another one. Oh, yeah, that's right. I wasn't there for that, but I remember hearing about it. <laughs> we Someone else did a grand romantic jam, a gesture in Cabo when we were there, and it was weird. And it, and it didn't go well. Yeah, no, don't do grand romantic gestures unless, like, you're married. <laughs> don't do grand romantic gestures when the other person has nowhere that they can escape to. Yeah, it's that's, just That's literally the worst time to do it. Yep. It's kind of like standing in front of the door and saying, like, you're free to leave. Like, n- no, your body language, everything about this says otherwise. Romantic comedies have lied to you your entire life. Yes. Don't do them. Bad. I speak from personal experience. It's bad. <laughs> uh, don't do this. You end up looking like a creepy weirdo. And don't be a creepy weirdo. Yep. Hence why I said most teenagers in high school are creepy weirdos. I speak from personal Everything experience. they know about love, they learn from Matthew McConaughey 2000s movies, <laughs> including Texas Chainsaw 4. <laughs> Everything you need to know, you can learn from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4. True fact. And Thomas the Tank Engine. Damn right. <laughs> I think Sal's a diesel. Sal's a diesel. No good, dirty, rotten diesel. Uh, what the hell are we even talking about? <laughs> we're referencing the movie Bullet Train. Yes, we are. <laughs> uh, highly recommend. We won't talk about it on this podcast. Highly recommend the movie. That's a 10 out of 10. So we have a storm ahead, and Sarah cannot fly through through clouds because she's not instrument trained. Bruh. Man, don't go on a plane with her. Jesus Christ. So she needs permission to fly above it? Again, can't speak to the pilot stuff. I'm going to assume that she's trying to follow protocol or she's knowingly breaking protocol. She's talking to, like, control about it. Yeah. Whatever. It's It's, fine. Yeah. We're just going to trust her on this. We have no choice. But they're going to start... Yeah, I guess they're gaining altitude. They're going to start climbing, and they're going to end up getting stuck climbing there. They pass where they were supposed to go, and they can't level off because that screw is stuck and jammed. The elevator flap wing, whatever you want to call it. Yes, yeah. So they're going upwards, and they can't stop. And that's bad. That's bad, because the plane is only certified to 24,000 yep. feet or something. You get high enough, you uh, run out of oxygen, you can suffer from like a lack of oxygen and sickness. Yeah, hypoxia. Hypoxia. Uh, the wings get iced over, and eventually you're going to hit space, which is bad. <laughs> don't, well, you I don't mean, go to space. I mean, when you run out of air, like you run out of lift, Derek, like you can't go to space. I'm making a joke, oh, and okay. we don't want to go to space in this podcast, because we all know leprechauns live there. Yes, exactly, and we we and we don't have our space correspondent. We don't so, have our space, so we, we we can't go to space. We can't. It's physically not possible. Uh, <laughs> Josh isn't here. We can't go to space. <laughs> so at this point, there's a storm ahead. Something's wrong. We're like, let's go back. 
And to be clear, everyone's like, where the fuck did this storm come from? Because yep. it kind of comes out of nowhere. It's almost like it's a magical spooky storm. It's a, a supernatural uh, Stonehenge magic bullshit storm. Uh, it's going to turn out. Now, now, do we want to tell the people yeah, we will. what's going on we will. now? Because they end up flying into the storm, and you're like, you were kind of confused. Like, how the hell do they fly into the storm? Is this a magic storm? Uh, yes. Yes, it is. And... What's causing the storm is Bruce's, or it's Bruce's feelings that yep. are causing the storm. Bruce turns out to have like a weird superpower, and, and it, you know it helps knowing that this the director of this movie uh, got to start like making comic books. He's a, a comic book right, designer writer. This feels very much out of a comic book, which is part of the point of this movie. Basically, it, when he gets scared, he can manifest things like his fears and anxieties. And it turns out that's what caused the plane crash when he was a kid. He was scared. He was worried about another plane hitting them. He manifested another plane into hitting them, causing the crash. He barely survived. Landed in a lake. That's the only reason he lived. This time, since he had recently read this new comic book, uh, which has a tentacle monster in it, and uh, airplanes flying through storms, he manifests this storm and a tentacle monster that's going to attack the plane. And we don't find out about this till near the end, but that's where all of this is happening. Hashtag manifest. Uh, but that also means I want to reference two more rules kind of to everyone. The first one is for Bruce, and that's rule 10, don't panic. Yep. Because when he gets scared, bad things happen. If he were to follow this rule, everything would have been totally fine. I understand some of this is out of his control, but he needs to know his limitations and he needs to you should have got on this plane correct uh for everyone else just like be a nice person because the storm arrived not two freaking seconds after sal ripped his comic book and and sent this guy down this like emotional spiral downward um, yeah the friend sal and, and Corey are kind of dicks to bruce and that is kind of what helps set us off <laughs> Correct. So if they would have just been nice people and Bruce doesn't panic, none of this happens, but we're here now. That's just for you, the people. Like, this is how you avoid the horror movie. Don't be a menace. But we're about to end up in the horror movie, yeah. so here we go. We're in this magic storm. They don't know that yet. Yes, Stonehenge uh, magic bullshit storm. Horror movie. It is happening, but they don't know that yet. They don't we'll know. get there. It's just a possibly survival situation. I and, and I would say probably rule one for everyone. You're in a tiny plane with an inexperienced pilot. And you're in a storm. Like, this is potential horror movie, survival movie stuff. Yeah. So just, at this point, be on your guard, follow the rules, the basic ones. Yeah. Be a good person, don't panic. Don't panic. The instruments start malfunctioning, we can't get into contact with the ground, no cell phone signal. Uh-oh. All hell breaks loose. Rule 10 for everybody now. Uh, the plane even starts stalling, and they have to go to max power. It's not good. They realize that it might be a little heavy, so they start tossing stuff out the plane, just anything they don't need. Uh, Corey does keep his backpack, though, and he brought all of his climbing supplies with because he was going to go mountain climbing while they were at this concert. They are going to go camping, and he was going to go climbing while they were there. So he keeps his stuff. But they end up tossing a bunch of stuff out. And uh, Sarah does the math. They have less than an hour left of fuel because there was only a half tank of fuel because it's a short flight, 90-minute flight. I don't know if that's proper protocol, but whatever. No idea. No idea. Sal suggests, like, hey, why don't we draw straws for the parachute? There's one parachute on board. What is this, the Titanic? Have enough parachutes for everybody. Rule number 53, have a backup plan. Parachutes for everyone. I don't... Horrible. Horrible. I mean, I I haven't been on enough tiny passenger airplanes to know if it's standard protocol to have a parachute for everybody. On a plane like this, it should be. Ryan is asserting from a point of ignorance that there should be enough parachutes for everybody on board. Parachutes are like life jackets. Yes. 
I will not endorse this, but in this situation, that would have been totally helpful. Why won't you endorse this? It's it's five parachutes. How much that could could that cost? Ten dollars? Yeah, but then why don't you just have a parachute on for every person on every commercial airline? Well, that's just ridiculous. So, right. So I don't know how the scalability of this works. So I'm gonna leave it alone. Uh, parachutes for every. I I will. So I'm never gonna get on one of these planes. If I'm getting on one of them for some dumb reason, you're escaping another horror movie, a worse horror sure. movie. Sure, parachutes needed. Unless absolutely like, okay, so if we're escaping a dinosaur or something like that, we're flying away on a <laughs> shitty plane like this. Uh, okay, fine. I'm not going to worry about parachutes because that's a, that's a later problem. We're definitely covering that on the podcast. Yeah. Actually, wow. Um, but if, if I'm getting on one of these planes, like to go, like we're at the beginning of the horror movie, we're going to a mysterious island just in case, because we could crash land there or something. I want a parachute before I go. Parachutes. All right. Ryan will buy his parachute, and then there'll be a parachute left over for me that was already on the plane. Okay, perfect. They want to draw straws, but Sarah talks them out of it. She's like, we don't know our altitude. You could just, like, splat instantly. Fair point. I wouldn't jump yet. Yeah, Though, but I kind of want that parachute. <laughs> and also, as big of a dick as Sal is, it was very kind of him to suggest the fairest way... Drawing straws. ...to divvy out the parachute. Now, granted, he has a knife, and would he accept the results? We don't know. We don't know. But it was it was a nice, fair way for him to represent the situation. I also like that Sal's like, no, I'm not just going to give it to my girlfriend. Are you kidding me? No one to cut ties. <laughs> your, your, your high school sweetheart, that never lasts. Right, Derek? Exactly. But Corey was like, you're going to let your girlfriend die? He's like, maybe. Yeah. I'll decide. We'll draw straws. <laughs> we'll draw straws. So rule 35, no one to cut ties. I, I, yes. Sal may be a dick. Every once in a while, he's right. Hey, broken clocks, right? Yeah, yep. Sal and Corey get into a fist fight at one point. It's stupid. Yeah, don't do not do this. Not the time. Bruce is going to have a panic attack, freak the fuck out, and like mess with the controls. And so they literally have to drag him out of the cockpit, and Sal, who's a wrestler, knocks him out. Yep, sleeper they, hold. They, and they tie him up. <laughs> Very dangerous. Don't just do sleeper holds. This is a good time to do a sleeper hold. This is perhaps the most okay time to do a sleeper hold to knock out somebody who's a danger to literally everybody else yes and themselves i mean i guess if you're doing it to a literal killer but i mean if you're messing with the plane you might become a killer by accident versus being a menace so yeah so they talk about fixing this elevator uh, in order to level out the plane and maybe land it only access is outside someone would literally have to climb to the back of the plane to get at it that's ridiculous we're not going to do that good call probably don't do that the, the icers malfunction, they're too high. Ice is building up on the, the wings, so the situation's getting even worse somehow. So Corey's like, all right, I have my climbing gear. will anchor me into the plane, and I will go out there, and I will fix it. And if you put enough pressure on it, maybe it'll work, which is exactly what happens in Octopussy. Uh, James Bond uh, forces the elevator down to force the plane to lose altitude to crash the villain's plane. Hmm. Octopussy is amazing. I'm thinking about the physics, but yeah, that, that makes sense. So they, they tie the rope inside the plane and also to Sal to be the anchors. I don't think I'd really want to be the anchor for Corey. <laughs> well, I, well, and he, he just kind of did, a, are, you, are you satisfied? So he's being a drunk idiot. Yeah, he's being a drunk idiot. Before Corey goes, he's going to give Mel a kiss and reveal like, oh yeah, they, they were cheating uh, from Sal. And just like, now you're going to do that now? <laughs> Again, time and a place for this kind of thing. This, this, I mean, I guess he's, going to possibly his death so sure uh but yeah no you know i recently watched the movie uh euro trip ryan mm -hmm. uh, and I, I look for any reason to reference this movie at the beginning of that movie fiona walks up to scotty and says we have to break up 
I'm just so tired of all this lying and cheating. And he's like, I didn't cheat on you, honey. And she's like, I know. That's why it makes this so hard. <laughs> <laughs> so this was um, uh, Mel's moment to be like, we're we're breaking up, Sal. Uh, I'm tired of all this lying and cheating. But Sal is much less likable than Scotty. That's true. Scotty's the best. Scotty didn't know. He didn't know. So don't tell Scotty. Don't tell Scotty. Man, you know what this movie needed? It was Matt Damon randomly showing up to sing a song. <laughs> yes. Maybe he should have been on the guitar. Yes. <laughs> Um, okay, so Corey's going to go out onto the plane. Initially, he misses his jump to the back of the plane, so he's just dangling out behind the plane by a rope. By the way, at this point, first of all, he broke his back. He's dead. Yeah. Don't These don't. are climbing ropes, so they probably have a little bit more... I mean, they might have more uh, like tensile strength or whatever it is, but he died. Yep. The, the human body cannot survive what happened to him. This is Stonehenge magic bullshit. Sure. It's the power of imagination. But we're going to talk through this anyway. Yes. All right. So let's say you, you do this and you slip and you don't get, like, snapped in yeah, half. Yeah, you don't die. On, and the weird possibility that you do survive this. This guy is fucking fit. He climbs his way back up the rope to the plane. Holy shit. Rule Ex- 49 exercise. And he, he did. He did it. And he is going to get back to the plane and he is going to unjam the elevator. This guy succeeds at this crazy-ass plan. Yes. Um, so, I mean, I guess rule 17 for now. Never give up. The next thing you try might work. This worked. And they, and they felt like they were out of options. I mean, it was well established. They yep. uh, like Mel was suffering, starting to suffer from hypoxia. Yep. So, I mean, now we're never because we're all about dead. Yep. You got to do something. You run out, you know, try something. Like, even if you didn't have climbing rope, this isn't a horrible plan. Like, all things considered, just go out there and try and fix it. Well, it's a horrible plan, but you might have no choice. Yeah. It's uh, a ho- okay, yeah. Horrible plan with no other better options. Cor- correct. And and they do say as much. It's not like this was their first choice. They did say no earlier. Like, do you want to die by falling out of the sky, or do you want to die by plane crash? Exactly. Or, or do you want to try and fix it? Or do you want to get uh, eaten by a giant tentacle monster? Now, he does not take the parachute. He probably should have. That would have been a solid idea. Yeah, that actually probably the best move. Put on the parachute, try and fix this thing, and if you fail, at least you live. <laughs> you, have, you have a chance to live. You might live. <laughs> Which, honestly, I think he's earned the parachute at this point. Yeah, yeah, honestly, give the guy the parachute. So he's climbing back, and he he, he tries to jump for Sal. He misses, and he, so he falls back behind the plane again. <laughs> Double snapped in half. <laughs> yes, he died twice. But that's not what's going to kill Corey. A tentacle monster appears, which we briefly saw earlier, and only Sal saw it, but Sal was drunk, so I think he ignored it. Yep. Because that's ridiculous. Why would there be a tentacle monster in this guy? Fair point. Sal's a dick, but fair point. Uh, And this tentacle monster grabs Corey and eats him and starts pulling him out. Uh, Pulling Sal out, who's again serving as a secondary anchor for Corey. So Sal's getting dragged out of the plane. He's got no choice. He sees the tentacle monsters like, fuck this, cuts the rope, and, you know, he makes it back inside. And quite literally, he knew when to cut ties. Yes, literally, because Corey got eaten. (laughs) There there is never and will never be a more appropriate use of the Rule 35, know when to cut ties. You are about to die, and this guy just got eaten by a tentacle monster floating in the sky and you're on a plane this is there is uh, retire the rule right yeah. this is the gold standard <laughs> look this one up in the dictionary and here we go so for Corey, don't be a menace he was a dick to bruce earlier that's all i got well and also probably like tr- trust no one that's what it was none of these people should be on this plane correct so no. trust no one and don't be a menace yep agreed but sal gets back in the plane everyone's super sad because Corey's dead all right except bruce he's unconscious <laughs> Uh, but Sal knows he's in a horror movie. There's a monster outside. Yes. And, and he tells people and no one really buys it. And and he's trying to be like, 
I I don't know. a monster. I don't know what to tell you guys. There's a giant tentacle monster out there. And they're like, you're just crazy. You drank a lot of beers. He's like, I know. I'm a dick. I'm an asshole. Like, but there's still a monster out there. Like, all these things are still true. <laughs> it was a. You cut the rope. I know. Tentacle monster. You did, you not, monster. <laughs> did you not hear me? Nobody believes him, and I don't blame anyone else for not believing him. That's no. insane. No, I don't. I don't even know what else there is to do for for Sal at this point. You've like you've nosedived your credibility and likability. You've played very poorly at the social game your entire life. It's all built up to this moment, and now nobody believes you. And even if he was super likable, I still wouldn't believe him. At, at least people would be like. Ryan, I would like to think, we've known each other long enough, if we were on this tiny plane together and I said, dude, I don't know how, you t- how to tell you this, but there's a giant tentacle monster that just dragged this guy out of this supernatural storm that came out of nowhere. I'd like to think you'd at least stop to consider the possibility that I'm telling the truth. I would think you have hypoxia and are hallucinating. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I am a big Occam's razor guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, simplest solution is usually the correct uh, one. Occam's razor always delivers a close shave. Yep. <laughs> Bruce wakes back up. What happened? <laughs> Everyone's crying. He's like, but I still don't know what's going on. Seriously, where's Corey? <laughs> Does anybody want to tell me what's going on? <laughs> Nobody tells him anything. And this is the point where Bruce reveals like he his parent he and his parents were on the same plane as Sarah's mom. That's where this reveal happens. Well, and and I think there's a rule break here as well because Sarah just kind of like leaves the pilot seat in the middle of the, what for for all intents and purposes the elevator is working again. Yep. Corey fixed it. They're getting out of the storm, and oh, there's no. no tentacle monster. She leaves the pilot seat to go have this conversation. There is a rule about this. It's called no know, know your priorities. Uh, a, a couple rule two constant vigilance. Rule yep. three do your damn job. Uh, <laughs> And uh, sort out your priorities. Fifty six. Um, rule fifty six. Sort out your priorities. She needs to sort out her priorities. Deal with your past weird bullshit trauma crap relationship shit later. Like she literally said, we were going to talk about this later, but we're going to talk about this now. I'm like, no, later is good. Land the plane. L- later is good. They're descending. So hopefully we'll land the plane and soon. This, and this is the same person who said, don't jump out of the plane because the ground might be right there and you leave the pilot seat. Yeah, your your instruments aren't working correctly. We do know you're very high because of the ice, but still. Fine, fine. New rule, don't be too reliant on technology. Yep. You are descending in a storm. Autopilot is probably not the thing to do the flying right now. Rule 65, don't be too reliant on technology. So this move, though very innocent in the movie and leads to nothing, is horrible. Yep. This is big no. And then Bruce kind of shows his psycho side. He blames Sarah's mom for the accident. Yet is in love with Sarah and believes they're meant to be together. Red flags, Sarah. Red, hashtag red flags. Well, and she's a red flag herself with bringing everyone on this plane. Yeah. These are all just a bunch of stupid teens who are confused about everything. Everyone go to college and grow up. Go, go to college, get a job, and then consider flying your friends to the Coldplay concert. Yes, exactly. Sarah hears a weird noise on the radio and she plays it for everybody. And it's, it's monster noises, but she's like, it could just be radio bullshit. None of us are radio experts. Yeah, fair. Fair enough for her to say that at this point, yes. Sal points out, like, hey, we've been descending for 20 minutes. Where is the ground? That's a fair question. Yeah. He, he's saying what is on everybody's mind, and that is that is kind of his role at this point yep. in the movie. He's the uh, asshole who uh, is blunt. Yes. So Mel starts talking about how she thinks they're part of an experiment, because Sarah's dad is a colonel in the military, and she's like, is this some sort of weird experiment? And this goes nowhere. And it just reveals, like, it can't be that he didn't even know I was flying the plane today. He thinks we're driving. 
it, it just adds more drama to the pot. It's, that's all it is, is we shouldn't be on this plane. Oh, and then Bruce, Hall, you know, because like conspiracy theory stuff gets talked about here and Bruce brings up like, well, what about the plane that, that hit me? No record of that plane. It was like a ghost plane. Um, setting that up for something in the future. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the second plane, there was no record of it. Ooh, scary, spooky ghost planes. Notably, Sal's going to keep drinking. No, <laughs> stop drinking. Pro- probably don't do this, but how can I even say but? Don't do this. Sal thinks he's going to die and nobody believes him about the tentacle monster. Yeah. It's like, maybe the booze talking, but the booze is telling me to drink more. <laughs> Look, relatable. Still bad. Yes, this is a technical rule violation. Randy Meeks himself would be very disappointed yeah. in you. Big no, no, big no. <laughs> <laughs> he would. Randy Meeks tell you not to do this as he chugged a beer. Yes, he'd be two beers in, <laughs> chugging a third. Don't drink beer. Then I can't explain this, but I don't know where we fly into the mouth of the monster. Like the the monster like swallows the plane. Yeah, if, straight Exegorth, just Star Wars style, yep. the giant space slug. Like, oh, okay. And everyone seems to get knocked out, and we get, like, a dream flashback of Sarah and her mom. It doesn't really go anywhere. They all wake back up, and they're like, hey, we're the plane's out of control. Something hit us. I don't know what to say about any of that. Th- there's nothing. So, plane's out of control. Sarah's going to get it back under control. But, yeah, things are getting crazy. Ryan, I, I, we haven't officially said this, but at what point in all of this are we rule one? Right now, because I think they see the monster right here. So before that, it's just kind of like a disaster movie? Yep. You know, Sal thought he was in a horror movie. I think this is the point where everyone should know because something, the tentacle slaps the plane. So Sal's been in the horror movie, but he's not the pilot. And he can't yep. really do anything yeah, about it. Yeah, no one it. believes him. Yep. And now everyone else should know. Now everyone else for rule one. So I just wanted to, to get yep. that on record. I literally have that written down. That was the next thing I was going to say. All right. Great minds think alike. Look at that. Like, um, Look at us. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? At me, actually. Bruce is going to free himself from the ropes. Bad for everybody else, good for you, Bruce. Yeah, <laughs> Just I, be free to do things, maybe. Yeah. And, and don't be a menace anymore. Like, try to be helpful now. Rule 10, continue to yep. not panic. So, uh, earlier in the movie, Mel took motion sickness p- pills. She's got a bottle of it on the plane. And at some point here, she downed the entire bottle. We don't see her do this. Uh, all of a sudden, she passes out and starts ODing from taking a whole bottle of pills. All right. It is not the time or the place to take a whole bottle of pills. Uh, there's rarely a time to do that. <laughs> For the record, don't do that. Don't take whole bottles of pills. That's how you OD. And who wants to OD in the middle of a horror movie? That's just, it's just a lame way to go out. Rule 46, proper wound management. Look, you stupid bastard. You've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look, just a flesh wound. Which includes, like, proper medical management. And, and what's hard is, like, even for Mel, it's clear that of all the people who are panicking, Bruce included, Mel has taken this the worst. Probably because Corey died. Probably because Corey died. Just everything added together. So it's like, I don't really want to grade her anymore, but it's like, uh Don't panic. Don't OD on pills in the middle of a horror movie. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not an EMT, but, um, you know, what, like, I don't, I don't know what to do for everyone else at this point either. It's like... I can't speak to this. Yeah, Bruce is going to do CPR, and she coughs up some gunk, so maybe that was some of the pills. CPR, mouth-to-mouth. I don't know if any of this is uh, valid. Like, I mean, you think about, like, pumping stomachs or stuff, but I don't know anything about this, so I'm not going to speak to it. Yeah, she coughed up something. This feels like Hollywood writer bullshit. It it does. It does, uh, but we'll go with it. It's the movie. And maybe in this particular universe, that's how it works. In in this universe, Bruce knew what to do. So for once... 
for Bruce, I'm going to say, hey, you followed rule 10, don't panic. And he knew what to do to help a person who was in this situation. Cool. So good for you, Bruce. You have been a help. For once. For, for once. So Sal is like comforting Mel. And Bruce, he notices the ripped out page of his comic. And there is a, an illustration of a blonde woman getting attacked by a tentacle. And as soon as he finishes looking at that, the tentacle bursts into the plane, grabs Mel, rips her out and kills her. Jesus Christ. Ultimately, don't get on this plane. Right. Yeah. So for Mel and then a lot of don't panic as yep. well. Uh, be a good person. None of that led to her death. Uh, just getting on the plane. And she wasn't mean to Bruce. She was just kind of here. I suppose. So really just don't get on this plane. Yeah. For Mel. Sal blames Bruce and attacks him. Um, and tries to throw him out of the plane. Like, it literally rips the door open to throw him out. Which, like, this makes no sense. So this is just a big old rule four. Like, how is it Bruce's fault? Now, it is Bruce's fault, but Sal doesn't know this. Yeah, he, he, you know, Bruce is, like, freaking out. And Sal's like, somehow you did this. What did you do? And he's right, but, like, he has no proof. And yeah. it wasn't malicious. Yeah, this, like, Sal is taking a multiple choice test, and he circled the right answer, but he didn't read the question. Yeah. I, like, it, none of this makes any sense. So he's going to attack Bruce. Sarah intervenes and hits Sal with a fire extinguisher. And eventually Sal is going to like slip and fall out of the plane. They do try to pull him back in. Sarah does, but he's going to fall out. So that's the end of Sal. Don't be a menace. Don't be, trust no one. Don't be a menace. Don't get on the plane. Big don't you know, be a menace. Yeah. Again, this guy was a cartoonishly douchey guy. Yes. And maybe if he's nicer to Bruce, the storm doesn't appear. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, like there's no way to know. But uh, he may have triggered this whole thing. He might have. Bruce reveals this is all his fault. He reveals his weird powers. He can manifest things into existence. Keeping uh, in mind, he, this is just a, a, a guess. He doesn't know. He just like he believes I, it. Yeah, which is a rule. Believe. Unfortunately. So, yeah, th this is where we learn, like, the backstory that he caused the plane crash and he's causing this. So, Monster returns and is, is chasing them. And, you know, Bruce is going to show Sarah this comic to, as proof. And, like, all, like, these dialogue, that the, the, the dialogue bubbles that are written in the comic and, like, frames all happen to them. Like, people have said the same dialogue. Some of the same things have happened. Go to the end of the comic. See what happens. Exactly. I, oh, I was so mad. And, by the way, this is how this whole Sim thing yep. with this movie ties in where it's like, Oh, that's really sim. I don't like that. This is weird. Like, this paradoxical coincidences. I don't like it. Because if you go to the end, you can either learn how they, they, they survived, the characters, the comic, or if they failed, you can learn what they did and do something different. Correct. But, um, but they don't do that. They don't do that. They just they just finish getting through where they were. Yeah. So this is kind of a learn from past events. I think it counts. It's a published comic book. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And if you are living the comic, at least parts of it, We'll learn what happened in the comic. Mm -hmm. so. Now, granted, it was a weird stories comic. I'm guessing it was anthological and everybody died. Probably. But you need to know what they did wrong. Yep. So you cannot do that. Exactly. So the monster starts chasing them. And so, you know, we get a chase secrets to the sky. And as the monster damages the propeller of the plane, running out of options, Sarah's like, all right, if you cause this, you can undo it. Just like focus and make it go away. Rule number 59, believe. Make it go away. Yep, a little bit of rule 17 because this is a working hypothesis yep. as well. So, like, we got a combo here, but I like the rule. Be I, I like believe because we almost never get to use it. It's the Freddy Krueger. It's the Pennywise. Something that feeds off, like, fear. You just got You can make it go away with willpower. Yeah, this is mind over matter. Yeah, exactly. Literally, say, they say that in Nightmare on Elm Street. That's, that is a quote. I did not know that. <laughs> it, it's not working. So, if Sarah kisses Bruce to distract him. He stops thinking about it. 
they're out of the store and the monster's gone. Cool. We did it. We made it. Uh, love transcends all altitudes. Love transcends. What What if love transcends all altitudes? Uh, so, yeah, we did it. Cool. Sarah gets a touch with the ground. We're going to land the plane. All good. And then Bruce realizes, oh, wait. Yeah, she didn't mean that because she has no feelings for me at all. Oh, no. And all of his anxieties come back, and we're back in the storm with the monster. <laughs> Damn it, Bruce. Really turns that page. <laughs> uh, psych. And this is probably my favorite part of the movie because the monster in full view is like floating in front of the plane, has the plane grabbed. So it's just like holding it in place and we're in the sky still. And it just looks awesome. It is a cool shot, honestly. Yeah. Like within the storm clouds, the lightning flashing everywhere the tentacle monster has the little plane. It, yeah. it is good. It's really cool. This is by far my favorite part of the movie. But the monster is going to grab Sarah and start pulling her out of the plane. And Sarah, as she's getting pulled out, like tells him, like, hey, take us somewhere else. You know, you could you could bring our parents back. Do something. Do something. Imagine you're with your parents. Just like move us somewhere else. And it works. The monster disappears. Sarah is getting picked up and she falls back into the plane. <laughs> kind of goofy. It, yeah, th- this movie's kind of goofy. Yeah. So we're back in the sky. Everything's good. And then all of a sudden, we're flying straight at the plane from the opening with young Bruce, his parents, and Sarah's mom in it. Who could have seen this coming? Yeah. We somehow time traveled. And, and oh, no, are we going to like we going to cause the events that led to this? Are we going to be the plane crash? But no, not this time. Bruce and Sarah work together. They Bruce takes control of the plane as well, and they pull the plane out of the path of the other plane at the last second and change history. That is rule 47. Fuck destiny. Fuck destiny. We don't have to repeat the events. Um, Good for them. We can do, we can make things worse, but we can also make things better. Might as well keep trying. So the plane crash never happens. We're in a new timeline. Sarah's mom and and, um, Bruce and his parents, they all land on the ground safe and sound. Unfortunately for uh, our main characters, like older Bruce, older Sarah, they're out of fuel. So they're just going to crash. We we cut away from it tastefully. (laughs) But I will say, like, I know this is a thing that can be done is couldn't they have found a way to like glide, you know, without fuel? You like you can land a plane without fuel. You can just glide it in. Is there any way they could have landed this plane anyway? Well, there is a way they could have landed the plane. It depends on if the damage from the monster affected their ability to stay truly level. Granted, they were able to pull on the yoke to dodge the plane for the near miss that had the parents. So I assume there was some control, but there was a plume of smoke. Yeah. They crashed. They they crashed. Confirmed they crashed, but I'm, I'm like, could they have avoided that? I don't know for sure. Um, and it, it's also not like confirmed that they died. They they threw one line of dialogue in saying, I hope they made it. Yeah. Um, they so probably didn't. They probably but didn't. Maybe. But maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. It's ambiguous at best. Yeah. If Bruce believed that they could make it, maybe they did. They crashed in the past if they lived. That's interesting. But that's that's uh, so the movie ends with um the, in the past, young Bruce, his parents, Sarah's mom, they're all like looking at the smoke off in the distance. Young Sarah and her dad arrive, and Sarah and Bruce meet as children instead. And they hold hands, they hold and hands. love transcends all altitudes. I don't like that. It's really stupid. It's really stupid. <laughs> it's really stupid. <laughs> don't love that. Uh, don't love that ending. But that is altitude. That's the movie. That's the movie. You know, this is what this kind of stuff you get when you get a chef's choice. Who, who knows? Weird shit. I'm not sorry I watched it. I still can't really recommend it. That's fine. I, I didn't really <laughs> expect it to. I just like making my friends watch weird movies that they normally wouldn't watch. 
That's the main reason, mostly to get you and Josh to watch it you would never watch. And, and, indeed. And, you know, one Children of the Corn series later, here we are. And, yeah, we finally made it. No new rules. No. There's a bunch of dumb bullshit. <laughs> uh, but let's get into the awards, which will be really weird and fun. First, we have the Randy Meeks Merit Badge, which goes to the character who did the best job at following the rules. Of course, based off Randy Meeks from Scream. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. These characters sucked. I have an answer, okay. but I don't love it. I think it might need to be Sal because they all do wrong things about getting on the plane. Yep. After wash. Th- That's after, a wash. After that, Sal was the first person to get on board with like, hey, the pilot said we need to dump extra weight. Let's go dump the weight. He was the person who was like, I'm not going to get out of this plane. He cut the ties when he knew he needed to cut ties. Now, granted, he did a lot of bad things, super bad things, too. But a lot of that is just like the be the menace stuff. And I don't know that that outweighs everything else that happens in this movie. All of these guys are failing. Well, I look at his death, and that's strictly because he attacked Bruce out of insanity. I kind of would have to give it to Corey because he was the one who, like, did fix the plane he did go out he did like the thing that we need to do to survive and then the monster shit happens and i think everyone else is very bad and Corey, i think is the least bad and at least fixed the original problem of this plane oh it's so hard because i know that in our universe he died at least yep. three times yep um but the point is he tried to fix the problem when there was no good solution. And he, yeah, he ended up doing it. Unrealistic movie bullshit, yes. But the, the attempt is the most important thing. Like, if you don't do this thing, we're going to die. If you do this thing, you'll probably die, but you might not. Mm. It's not perfect. You should have brought the parachute with him, but I, I, I can't give it to Sal. I'm not going to give it to Sal. God, and Juan, Sal was being fair with the parachute, too. Sal is being a super mega douche. He doesn't deserve any awards. I will tentatively cede this one to Corey, but I want to be clear. Every single one of these characters gets an absolute F. <laughs> uh, like, like Corey might be setting the curve, but he's setting the curve with a yeah. 35%, like a 30%. Yeah, the, the one thing we'll you know, give credit to Corey for is Rule 17, never give up the next thing you try my work. He followed that. Yes. So in terms of quantity of rules, though, I want to be on the record and say I do think Sal followed the most rules, but he broke a lot of rules more severely. Yeah, especially the one that led to his death. Yeah. That was a bad break. Don't be a menace. Yes. Granted, he had mentally snapped at that point, too. So, uh, Corey? I, I, I tentatively accept. So Corey wins Randy Meeks Merit Badge. Let's move on to Night of the Living Pleb, which goes to the character the worst job at following the rules. Of course, based on Barbara from Night of the Living Dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. Uh, lots of options here. Yeah, I almost want to give it to Sarah because she knows how irresponsible it was to get on this plane with a group of people. I understand you have to have confidence. I understand she felt like she knew what she was doing. She felt like there was like, like everything was on the up and up, but she probably missed something in the pre-check. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. And, and that's from her mouth, not mine. Cause I can't speak to pilot stuff. Um, she wasn't instrument rated. That's from her mouth, not mine. She shouldn't be on this plane. She should not yep. be flying these people. If they just drive, none of this happens. Yep. And then when they are in the storm, the plane gets fixed by Corey's heroic sacrifice. She gets out of the, mm-hmm. the seat, breaking four major rules all at once to go have a really stupid teenage conversation with Bruce. That's bad. Um, 
So while I think there are other people who are like menaces, right? Like mm-hmm. Sal is an easy choice here. Uh, you know, Mel, she downs a bottle of pills. Yep. You know, but that's that's not what led to her death. Truth. I do think the movie is caused by Sarah, so I would nominate Sarah. Okay. The only thing I give Sarah credit for is she's the one who, like, helps Bruce will things away. Like, she realizes, here's the solution here, so we solve it. Bruce can't do it on his own. Sarah helps. Hmm. Uh, so I want to give her some credit for that. I, I was originally thinking Mel, just because why did you down a whole bottle of pills? Why would you do that right now? I was also partially thinking Sal for being such a menace, but I do think he does a few good things. And he does he has, he has the 100 out of 100 score on the no one to cut yeah. ties because there's never going to be a better use of that. Yeah. So I don't think I, I think we can eliminate Sal. I think we can eliminate Bruce. And that leaves Sarah and Mel. I think Sarah's got lower lows, but higher highs. And, and Mel is just kind of there and doesn't help at all. So I'm kind of leaning Mel. What do you think about that? So you you know me. Yeah. When it comes to horror movies, it's all about avoiding a horror movie. Yep. And this movie is Sarah's fault. Yep. So I lean Sarah. Okay. Mel, like, like, if you think about Mel, even just, like, taking the pills, we already know at that point she had been suffering from, some, from, from hypoxia. Truth. Truth. That's not her fault. That's Sarah's fault. Yep. So, like, everything that happens after that, I almost don't want to grade her for. Okay. Uh, that, that's that's good enough for me. I'll go. I'll go to Sarah. But yeah. to be clear, they're all failing. They're all terrible. They're all bad. They're all stupid. Overconfident. I think is Sarah in a nutshell. Um. So yeah, yeah. Let's give it to Sarah. Yeah. This is a. This is just as good as all the Greek tragedies where hubris was the yep. downfall. Uh. Very much like uh. Man, who flew close too close to the sun? Icarus. Yeah. It, it, she, it, very much Icarus. She flew too close to the sun. She, she flew, was too confident. Flew too close to the tentacle beast. Yep. Yeah. So Sarah's not a living pleb. And maybe uh, question mark maybe a not a living one. One one version of her is living. Correct. Don't know about the main version, but you know who knows. That's altitude. That's a, the weird ass movie. That's what it is. <laughs> maybe go watch it. Maybe enjoy it. Maybe don't. Yeah, yeah. Just you do you, man. You do you. Okay, uh, Derek. Congratulations! You finished the Altitude series. I finished the Altitude. So that means I get a reservation. You get a reservation. So, uh, what would you like to reserve for yourself? All right. Well, weirdly enough, I actually came prepared this time, and I think I have not reserved this one. So you'll have to tell me or verify. But what about Natalie Portman's Annihilation? Uh, no sign of Annihilation in the waiting room. That is up for grabs. Let us do Annihilation. Give me some of that cosmic horror. That's a great movie. I'm glad I you picked it. Love. That movie, and I've been looking for an excuse to watch it again sometime in the future. I know it's way down in the hopper, yeah. and I'll probably watch it again before then. But guys, if you take nothing else from me, that is what Ryan did with Altitude. I did with Annihilation out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, that's a really, really dope cover. And it's got Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac in it. I kind of want to watch this. And I watched it, and I thought, this is like the best movie I've ever seen that nobody talks about. And people do talk about it in horror circles. I believe that. Not my circles. Great. Yeah. So I run across people conversing about it. That is a great movie. I really like Annihilation. I'm glad you picked it. It's not on the wheel, though. Nope. Not on the wheel. Here's what's on the wheel today. We have Carrie 2002, which is the first remake, and in the Apocalypse, which is a Derek movie. Yes, it is. Yeah, we could spin that today. It's possible. The Shining miniseries part two, The Hills of Eyes, Insidious, Psycho 3, Scream season two, episode 12, When a Stranger Calls, and Chef's Choice. Chef's choice. Uh, Derek, go ahead and spin the wheel. All right. That is Carrie 2002. Okay. So that'll be uh, Jordan Ryan. We'll come back to the podcast. And we'll talk about the first Carrie remake. That'll be a very short podcast. Very short. Because it is 
There's very few changes from the first carry to this first remake. They added uh, like one plot subplot from the book that didn't make it into the original version, and that's about it. A couple of character tweaks, not much else. It's Th- very bad. This is not the Chloe Grace Moretz one, right? No, nope, this is the Angela Bettis one. And okay. I, I love Angela Bettis, and she's a good carry, but that movie blows. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, uh, Carrie 2002, as long as Jordan Ryan's available, he's a very busy guy. He travels a lot for work. So as, as soon as he's available, we will do that one. Uh, Derek, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. Uh, do you want to plug anything? Uh, you can follow me on Letterboxd at E-R-E-K-K. That is Eric. And then if you so choose, you can check out our other podcast, Castaway Consultants. Survivor is the best show on TV, and you should watch it. Absolutely. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at HowToHorror and check us out on Letterboxd as well. I'll be putting Altitude uh, onto all the various lists I keep on there, ranking every movie, ranking every movie Derek's covered on the podcast. We'll see where Altitude lands. I suspect somewhere smack dab in the middle. Yeah, Actually, much. probably upper middle given all the crappy sequels I've had. Yeah, you've had uh, quite the gauntlet uh, <laughs> a range. You probably had the most wide variety of like quality of films more than anybody i was gonna i was gonna say i I talked to you about this separately but i think i have like four of your top tens but Mm -hmm. i think i have like five of your bottom six you have (laughs) the worst one um which is a heretic right yes but you also have the best one which is scream just scream so you have the worst and the best yep scream will never get beaten exodus 2 will get beaten yeah ew i just rewatched that last week because i believe her I came out at all yeah, and go started watching the Exorcist movies and God, Exorcist Two is so bad. It's bad, dude. I was so bored. I started playing Yu Gi Oh by myself. Like I started dueling myself in Yu Gi Oh. I've activated my trap card. <laughs> oh, no, I, I played myself just because I was so bored watching Exorcist Two. I just grabbed a couple of Yu Gi Oh decks, started dueling myself. That's how bored I was. <laughs> You're like the guy at the beginning of a Bug's Life. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly the same. And then you turn the chessboard around on yourself. You didn't see that one coming. And then you know, I look up at the movie, and be like, "This is still going." This, yeah, that movie is still on. James Earl Jones just showed up. Oh my god, dude, that movie is a fever dream. Yes. Um. <laughs> all right, anyway, uh, yeah. Derek. Anything else? Nope. Thank you for listening to this weird ass podcast. I, I don't know how we got here, but we're here. We're here. We we reached a strange altitude. And just remember, love transcends all altitudes. Yes. Stupid. <laughs> it's a reference <laughs> to Interstellar, which is also stupid. No, which, Interstellar is great. Ryan is an idiot. Interstellar is better than Altitude. You've you've seen Interstellar one time. I've seen Altitude twice. You're not allowed to talk about it until you watch it again. Hey, I can talk about it if I want. Interstellar is better than Altitude. How about that? That is a factual statement in my opinion. Yeah. Not much, but it is better. I've got nothing to say. (laughs) Interstellar is okay. End this before I turn into Sal (laughs) and kill Ryan. (laughs) Uh, I know I'm dragging this up, but I love to antagonize Derek by talking about how much I think Interstellar is very mid- uh, and it's Christopher Nolan's worst movie. On that note, this has been the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast. Uh, I need to survive a horror movie. Derek's about to murder me. <laughs> stay safe out there. Yeah, stay safe out there. Uh, uh. Ah!